0: Following is a repeat broadcast of the Global Research News Hour originally airing November 18th, 2022. Is the global pact to bring together the rich and the developing nations to stop climate change concealing efforts toward widespread P3s and privatization of finance? How has the COP 27 meeting in Sham al-Sheikh to propel the monetization of nature and accelerate us toward the coming Fourth Industrial Revolution. Is military geoengineering to blame for the vast majority, if not all, unusual weather phenomena in the world today which is being blamed on too much carbon dioxide? Could the new weather modification technology represent a new weapon of mass destruction not only against other nations but against Mother Earth herself? This week on the Global Research News Hour, as the UN talks on climate change finally comes to an end, we will host a show discussing the agenda of the billionaire foxes wearing the clothing of planet-saving sheep. In our first half hour, we're joined once again by independent journalist and environmental activist Corey Morningstar to discuss what is coming out of this year's Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. Then, in our second half hour, we will hear from academic and author Claudia von Wohlhoff about how secret military geoengineering in the United States and abroad is actually happening and how the agreements signed by the multiple climate meetings together with the COVID scare is helping the billionaire architects create a brave new economic and political world for all of us. On this week's program, what a scam it actually is. Assessing COP27 and modern climate activism with Corey Morningstar and Claudia von Wurlhoff. Bringing you the analysis beyond the media headlines, the Global Research News Hour is on the air. Welcome to the Global Research News Hour for the week of November 18th, 2022. The program is funded by the Center for Research on Globalization and produced in collaboration with Campus Community Radio Station CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Ininu, Cree, Dene, and Dakota, the birthplace of the Métis Nation and the heart of the Métis Nation homeland. I'm your host, Michael Welch. The show seeks to provide listeners with access to analysis of some of the major issues shaping our world today, from thinkers, researchers, and unique political personalities rarely addressed by major media. Our shows are featured on partner radio stations across Canada and the United States, and available for streaming or download at the site globalresearch.ca. We'll begin our show with News Notes, a sampling of articles from the Global Research News site. Listeners should know that some of the articles may run against common messaging about sensitive subjects and are not all endorsed by this radio station. Sanctions are economic measures that have so far, in the course of the last at least half a century, caused millions if not tens of millions of deaths around the world. It is difficult to assess an exact number because sanctions come with many faces and different and multiple consequences, but they always hit the innocent and the weak the poor and the sick economic sanctions are possible only because the world has been and to a large extent remains dependent on the US dollar which still controls to about 60 percent the world's trade and monetary transactions this figure was close to 100 percent only some 25 years ago so the peace thinking world the East with its de-dollarization policy, is moving in the right direction. That comes from the article, U.S. Weaponized Dollar Economics. This global instrument of fraud and world dominance must be broken once and for all. By Peter Koenig, posted November 16th. The resolution was approved by 152 countries, 79% of UN member states, with five votes against, unsurprisingly, the United States and Israel, and also Canada, Micronesia, and Palau. Some 24 abstentions were composed of European Union members, NATO allies, and India. The resolution, titled The Risk of Nuclear Proliferation in the Middle East, highlighted the risks of unsafeguarded nuclear facilities in the Middle East and demanded that Israel follow the principles of universal adherence to the Treaty on the Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons, adopted in the region in 1995. Since then, Israel has been the only entity in the region that has repeatedly refused to sign the treaty and has spent the last few decades hypocritically denying the existence of its nuclear weapons. That comes from the article, Israeli Nuclear Arsenal Condemned by World's Governments in Overwhelming UN Vote, by Samina Rahman, posted November 16th, originally published on Liberation News. On the contrary, Saudi defiance of the U.S. over oil prices shows that the balance of power between the two has shifted and that the U.S. is a paper tiger, where Saudi Arabia is concerned. Let us not forget that the U.S. arms industry has become highly dependent on sales to the Gulf and the U.S. has invested heavily in keeping Saudi Arabia away from rapprochement with Iran. Its leverage is minimal. It was different when MBS was an international pariah over Khashoggi, but time has done its work of prompting amnesia, if not forgiveness. I expect to see more Saudi defiance of the U.S. That was from the conversation under the headline, The U.S. is a paper tiger where Saudi Arabia is concerned. Interview with Ambassador Peter Ford by Peter Ford and Stephen Swahini, posted November 16th, originally published on Mideast Discourse. There is a preliminary information that contests that. Biden said when asked by reporters if the missile was fired by Russia. I don't want to say until we completely investigate. It's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia. After Biden's comments, three U.S. officials told the Associated Press that, "...preliminary assessments," suggest the missile that hit Poland was fired by Ukrainian forces, and was meant to intercept a Russian missile. Biden is in Indonesia for the G20 summit and held an emergency meeting of NATO and G7 leaders over the news that a missile fell in Poland, killing two people. That comes from the article, Biden says it's unlikely missile that hit Poland was fired from Russia, by Dave DeCamp, posted, November 16th, originally published on The 27th Annual Conference of the Parties of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change comes to a close this week. The world's major governments, along with representatives of big corporations, climate activists and the civil sector, have engaged in talk, perused the latest reports from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the World Meteorological Organization, and other institutions, and smooth out a plan designed to move the world forward in an effort to tackle existing targets. In the words of UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, we are on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. There's been considerable talk about the event this year. Many wonder if it will achieve anything. My next guest believes it will probably achieve plenty for the economy and the crust of the world's most powerful, but precious little for the welfare of the planet or the multitude of its inhabitants. I'm talking once again about Corey Morningstar, the independent journalist and environmental activist. She writes for Wrong Kind of Green and for her own site, theartofannihilation.org and, or .com. She's written extensively on the way the environmental movement has been warped by funding from the elite's tax-free foundation money. She's also, within the last few years, written the multi-chapter epic, The Manufacturing of Greta Thunberg, for Consent, the political economy of the nonprofit industrial complex, which is now available on Amazon, which takes a look at how youth and youth movements have been used to allow the world's billionaires uh, to, to continue their efforts to rescue capitalism, uh, monetize nature, and embrace the fourth industrial revolution under the guise of saving the planet. Corey joins us now from her home in London, Ontario, uh, in Canada. It's always a pleasure to have you on, Corey. Welcome back to the Global Research News Hour.
1: Hi, Michael. It's always a pleasure to um, speak to you.
0: Now, you've been paying attention to the recent COP27 gathering in Sharm el Sheikh, Egypt. Are there any particular highlights or, or lowlights that you would like to mention?
1: Yeah, like what I thought we could do. Um, I wanted to just maybe I can do a sort, of basically a short intro as to what I see is you know observing this week, and then we can maybe talk about um, nature as a new asset class on the New York Stock Exchange, and so which is new this year. And so, can I just go ahead with that? Yep. Sure. Okay. Um, and this is in response to, and I'm, pro- I'm sure you probably know of them, Media Lens, I believe in the UK, which are supposed to be all about um, critical analysis of what you see in the media. And so it's really disappointing that they've been so willfully blind um, as to what's been happening over the past years. But anyway, they were promoting um, uh, what happened. They had published a big article and actually, John Pilcher had shared it, and it, who I really love, um, Pilcher. So he had shared it. And um, it was basically if you read anything about climate, read this. And then it's all about basically Extinction Rebellion and just what's it called? Just Oil, um, which is founded by um, the founder of Extinction Rebellion. So it's basically the sister, I guess you could call it. Um, and you, we've seen their actions, you know, with throwing the paint on the Van Gogh and all that stuff. So anyway, um, I'm not sure it's, you know, it it gets into like again, you know, you get swept up in this feeling of hysteria. You know, if we don't do anything, you know, it's collective suicide and blah, 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 climate, climate, no talk about actually pollution or nature or any of the driving forces. And the thing is I I don't really know at, at that point when it becomes almost um what would you call it? Um, You know, the collective high stereotype thing when that takes hold, I'm not sure what people are actually wanting, you know, from these protests. What is it that you think that you're hoping they will do right. When you say basically do something, do something, do something right. And um, what are you hoping that they're going to come through and do that you think is going to actually mitigate um, climate or, that you think may solve any of our ecological crises. So anyway, I'll just start with this. Cli- the climate protests, um, you know, including Extinction Rebellion and Just Oil, they're organized by NGOs within the nonprofit industrial complex. They're financed by and subservient to the billion- Billionaires and Foundations. Um, these are the very ones that are promoting or silent on NATO and imperialist wars. Well intentioned youth are being used and exploited as a means to rescue and expand the global capitalist economic system, including the monetization, privatization of nature, global and scale. And as we can see what's happening, it's finally um, coming into reality here. Those with money will actually literally own nature net zero has nothing to do with reducing emissions and anyone that's following COP27 will see everything now is net zero, right? Global net zero economy. So the protests, um, and then the subsequent media exposure, what this does is obscure, um, via the framing, um, diversion, which is basically, that's what this is all doing in spectacle. So you've got, the financial, financialization and privatization of nature, um, payments for ecosystem services, militarism as the lead cause of, eco, of ecological crises, carbon capture utility storage, which is actually coming out huge right now out of COP27, um, as a promise of fuel, fossil fuel expansion, okay? Not contraction or displacement. You've got the expansion of nuclear, synthetic biology to redesign life, nature, and food. Um, You've got biodiversity and carbon markets, the mining of oceans for metals and minerals for the fourth industrial revolution infrastructure. And so you've got these protests and via, like I said, via the subsequent media coverage, serve as needed diversion from the most egregious solutions, quote unquote, that will further enrich and empower the ruling classes. capital so these solutions um, if they were understood by the global citizenry they would never be accepted and so again the need for that sort of the hysterics and you know people are actually not really seeing what's going on behind closed doors the united nations sdgs and those are called the sustainable development goals that's an altruistic term for emerging markets and then here we should recall that UN partnered with the World Economic Forum in June 2019. Now the World Economic Forum must be understood as you could call it a secretariat or a clearinghouse for its partners, which are 200 of the world's most powerful corporations, global finance, and the world's most, empower, most powerful and imperial institutions. Um, the Great Reset, um, that was um, basically, that's being managed by the World Economic Forum is a project of, um, quote unquote, King Charles, um, which is the Commonwealth, which is 40, 54 states, including the UK. And so that's sort of um, a broad answer as to what people really should be looking at and thinking about. But it's really hard to get a handle on it when it's, um, you know, when we create this hysteria. In this fear, and we create anxiety, and we all know that with that fear and anxiety, it's easy to get people to submit to any type of solution you put forward.
0: Yeah, I'm. You know, I've got a a couple of speakers at the uh, opening days of the Congress. Had they they talked about the emergency and the need to do something, but they also fit in uh, a particular tilt to, to what needs to be done um, uh, I've, I've got a clip right now I'll play for you uh, just to and just get your thoughts A pact
2: in which all countries make an extra effort to reduce emissions this decade in line with 1.5 degree goal. A pact in which wealthier countries and international financial institutions provide financial and technical assistance to help emerging economies speed their own renewable energy transition A pact to independence on fossil fuels and the building of new coal plants, phasing out coal in OECD countries by 2030 and everywhere else by 2040. A pact that will provide universal, affordable, sustainable energy for all. A pact in which developed and emerging economies unite around a common strategy and combine capacities and resources for the benefit of humankind. The two largest economies, the United States and China, have a particular responsibility to join efforts to make this pact a reality. And this is our only hope of meeting our climate goals. Humanity has a choice, cooperate or perish. It is either a climate solidarity pact or a collective suicide pact. In the United States and in Canada, if you look at all of the financing of renewable energy, 96% 96% of it comes from the private market. If you look at Africa, much lower amounts overall, but what percentage of it comes from private markets? Not 96%, 14%. 86% comes from governments. Why is that? Because, for example, if you want to build a solar field in Nigeria, you ha- even though it's profitable, you have to pay interest rates that are seven times higher than the interest rates paid by OECD countries. That is unjust, it is insane. That is what the World Bank and the multilateral development banks are supposed to address. We need to reconvene Bretton Woods and completely revamp and reform the World Bank system and make access to private capital available for developing countries.
0: Okay, so we got basically that was uh, Antonio uh, Guterres and Al Gore at the end, and of course he sounds like he's talking about uh, you know privatization and P3s. Uh, So, but but that that's you know maybe put those thoughts at the opening in in the context of this you know, increasing privatization and uh, the monetization of nature and all of that?
1: Well, this is actually the road to privatization, basically expanding across the whole globe. And it is a complete restructuring of the global capitalist economy, you know? And um, we've seen that during the whole um, COVID thing as well. Um, It's a joke to listen to Al Gore talk about, um, you know, equity and express concern over the global south. You know, when the, um, you know, NATO states in the West continue their plundering and, um, you know, recolonizing. I, I'd say that the fourth industrial revolution is a, um, a rebooting of colonization under the guise of green. Um, they don't talk about nature debt swaps. They'll be actually to, Um, these countries' to access financing will be giving up their rights to their, um, you know, pristine nature, which then Al Gore and his friends who own um, hedge fund, the Generation Investment, will then, um, you know, grab and they will, you know, trade it, um, put on the stock market, they will own it. It's basically like a huge corporate capture uh, of what they haven't destroyed thus far. And so it's, you know, I think it's really ironic that the very people that have brought us to the precipice of ecological um, disaster is, you know, now we're looking at them to give us the solutions. And, you know, it's it's, it's pretty sad. What else can be said about that? Um, I mean, there, there's a lot to be said about it. Um, basically, Andre Hoffman, Mark Carney, Al Gore, those are... and. and and what's his partner's name? Um, um, Let me think. David Blood. David Blood, um, Goldman Sachs. They're at the helm of the privatization of nature. And again, that's the new thing. And so you've got that on the one hand, the privatization of nature, trading, biodiversity, carbon markets. That's a massive thing. And then you've got the right now happening, like I said, the carbon capture utility storage, which means expansion of fossil fuels through enhanced oil recovery. And then you've got the, um, what is it? The, um, sorry, I have a bit of a headache today. And then you've got the financialization of nature which includes you know water which includes everything and and they will actually own and, and manage they will own the rights to nature and manage it and so this is going forward a whole new thing this is payments for ecosystem services and then the technology they speak of um of course that's will be paid By you and I and um they you know and they they will own everything this whole COVID thing this thing is just you know basically unlocking the treasuries keeping um this economy close to faltering now for quite some time until COVID hit um keeping it going so we're keeping going that we um are keeping the very economic system destroying us, creating climate, killing us, we're keeping that going. You see what I'm saying. Um, you can't solve, you can't solve climate crisis. you can't mitigate um, climate or CO2 emissions under this system based on expansion. Um, one of the things they talk about, including um, Al Gore and um, Gates it's Bill Gates and Al Gore talk a lot about this. We're going to build a city the size of New York every month for the next 40 years. So how anyone can think that will reduce emissions um, or reduce, um, you know, environmental degradation is beyond me. And so a lot of this, I mean, all of this is actually there, but people don't want to see it. The expansion of nuclear, you got LMS saying how much nuclear we're going to need just for the cars, Right just for um, electric cars. And so again, this COP27 is not a conference about protecting our natural world, it's a conference about protecting and expanding the very system, destroying the world.
0: Yeah. You know, back in, in 2009 or 2010, I think it was, uh, you were once a delegate uh, to the, the COP conference and, and you heard from delegates from the poorer countries living in Africa and small island states and they were calling for stricter restrictions. And and you recalled that the, the environmental NGO conglomerate uh, called Tick, Tick, Tick actually worked against them, you know, calling for more relaxed standards, actually. Uh, I was wondering right, right. Uh, if you have any insights uh, today as to what uh, those same countries are saying now about climate action that, that's maybe not making it into the media?
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's a huge problem, right? We don't hear from them. We don't see um, climate scientists from Africa, from the global south. We don't hear from, it, it's all, you know, European American um, top down, right? And it's also very patriarchal and so, and why is it that at that time um, we undermined Bolivia and you know the G77 and the small island states by a full degree, and then now all of a sudden it's suicide? Well, the reason that is is because at that time they they did not have the um, the accounting ready how to assign monetary value to nature. If you go back to the United Nations, still has a web um, video on their YouTube channel of a uh, Green New Deal, a global Green New Deal in 2009, where they're already calling for a global um, new market of natural assets, right? And they're already calling for all the technology to lift the world out of a global recession. So again, it, they just, it's taken this this long to get it to the point where now we can start to implement it. And this isn't just, you um, this is also the privatization of human and social capital, like even what people, things um, that people enjoy, like, you know, what even church. So this is um, a whole new system. So it's basically where can this capitalist system go? Where where do the new emerging markets come from? And then the big one, of course, that's nature because um, what are they looking at? It's this number that's, actually i it's so big it almost has no meaning 400 trillion dollars yeah. 400 trillion right but i can tell you michael from when i sit and write and i listen to the birds sing i listen you know i see the squirrels outside my window nature doesn't need any money nature does not need money to be you know to be a healthy and protected like this whole idea that we need to um commodify nature to save it is ridiculous right so again it's just a huge corporate it's just a huge corporate grab and very very few people know what's going on because of all the distraction distraction and the spectacle right that these billionaires and everybody um control finance and organize
0: Mm. You know, we've only got a minute left, but I wonder if you could just say something now that the conference is concluded, has a new safeguard been unlocked or or new roads opened up that Al Gore, Bill Gates, and the billionaire class uh, can continue their, they're not exactly altruistic goals?
1: No, they're not altruistic goals at all. And um, that's the thing, like everything's shrouded in holistic linguistics. And, you know, holistic framing, but I think, especially what we've gone through the past three years with this huge transfer of wealth, again, to the top, and um, as more and more people are, you know, basically being oppressed, suffering, um, suffering all kinds of economic hardship, um, mental distress, and everything else, I do think that people are, you know, becoming more aware And so that is hopeful, you know, I, I, that is hopeful. And I, even, I think now before, when I wrote about this coming like back in 2013, I, I have been writing about this for a long, long time. And I think people sort of looked at it and thought, "Mm, you know, no, that can't be true. You can't, own, you know, you can't really own nature. They're not really going to do that. And you didn't really hear them saying that because they're so clever with their framing and language and um, everything else, but now that is now out in the open. I think may, I'm hoping that people will really wake up to that.
0: Hmm. Interesting stuff, Corey. I appreciate your insights. Thank you for appearing on the program yet again.: Thank you, Michael. Corey Morningstar is an investigative journalist and environmental activist. she's, she's living in London, Ontario here in Canada.) <music> You're listening to the Global Research News Hour, broadcasting from CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg and from partnering radio stations across Canada and the United States. Claudia von Wohlhoff is Professor Emerita of Political Science and Women's Studies at the University of Innsbruck in Austria. Claudia was the founder of the Planetary Movement for Mother Earth in 2010, and she is a research associate of the Center for Research on Globalization. Before we get into the details, you could provide us with the broad outline of your thesis because clearly this is more than a, a matter of mistaken science. I mean, there's a conscious effort to mislead the public. What purpose does this conscious and very sophisticated distraction serve?
3: Well. Uh, from my point of view, um, this civilization, modern civilization has arrived at a crossroads because you know what capitalism is, capitalism is transforming nature into capital and so nature has gone afterwards. This problem cannot be solved in the long run because uh, nature is gone and you, you have, cannot transform anything anymore. So this is the case we are living in now, and this society has to um, find a solution. And this solution is not supposed to be uh, a, a human and nature friendly solution, but they are looking for how to continue with their system without having to give it up. This is the main problem we have today. And I think uh, all these crises we are in now from the corona crisis and the climate crisis and <clears throat> the crisis of capital uh, have uh, the same um, or are provoking a response from above. So we, we, we had studied the problem in earlier years, um, coming to the conclusion that only an alternative economy and society could solve the problem of capitalism, and as you mentioned it already, patriarchy, which is the background of it all. But instead of uh, liberating people from this horrible uh, system, they are now going to transform it. It is what they call the great transformation and what is called the new world order, which is a system that is going to be implemented from above or like the Great Reset, uh, this is the formula by the World Economic Forum. Um, the system has to be reset, which means it has to start again, but maintaining its, its main um, characteristics. And this means what is needed now. I mean, you cannot just go on with it. So the first thing what I see is, the system is going to be quantitatively reduced. This means, um, and this is what is uh, one of the main uh, propaganda uh, issues of the whole climate question, is to reduce consumption, to reduce production, and to, to reduce population. So this will be the quantitative changes we are expecting. And on the other hand, you will have a qualitative change, and this is the technological one. So there are a lot of new technologies developed since uh, 100 of years or within the 20th 20th century, and they are going to be applied now called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And this is a very interesting point because in the climate question, for, for instance, this will be, uh, play a, a major role because people are supposed to uh, identify and to be integrated into the machinery, the system of the mega machine, as it is called. And this will be the second step uh, the, they are approaching and uh, they are preparing. This is the most interesting step besides the reduction uh, and the re- of the system as such. So I think the climate change question is approaching all the subjects and issues in saying that people are uh, responsible for the climate problem because they consume too much and they breathe too much, so to say. And they have chosen this ideal formula of the CO2 question, the, the so-called climate killer, because it is applicable to all these questions uh, at once. So you can you can say that all, all those who produce uh, CO2 have to be abolished, so to say. I mean, the in- industry, normal civil industry, based on, on the second industrial revolution using all these fossil fuels et cetera, which have to be avoided because they have to be spared. I think uh, it, uh, the reduction of consumption is also related to the, to the reduction of uh, energy, of the, the normal energies we had since the second industrial revolution is coal and, and gas and oil, and later uh, nuclear power, which will be maintained as a, a so-called renewable Uh, energy form, which is not true, not even for the the other new renewable energies, but this we can discuss later. Mm -hmm. Well, this is based on the idea that uh, CO2 is important for the climate. And this is one of the lies that are propagated in order to have this program realized because the climate uh, especially, the climate is nothing you can change because it depends on the sun and on the solar system. The only thing you can change is the weather as the regional and local conditions you you find on Earth. Uh, But they call it climate change because maybe otherwise they would uh, have to relate to the many experiments and technologies that exist already in relation to weather control and weather modification and other technologies that are, for example, explained by the UN in, in the NMOD convention, which is the Envi- Environmental Modification Convention of 97.7, in which all these problems are explained already. So, very strange that the UN in uh, her own conference does not relate to its own knowledge.
0: The vast majority of climate scientists, uh, well into the thousands, are saying that increasing carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is the leading culprit in in, in weather changes we've witnessed over decades. Approximately 97.5%, according to an estimate I saw recently, you mm-hmm. wrote... Uh, you wrote letters to uh, Greta Thunberg, I think, it's, uh, explaining how Greta she, Thunberg, Yes. Yeah, how, how <laughs> she was mistaken about what is ailing the planet, and she never responded, but I imagine if she could, she would say that the scientists are telling us that uh, we need to reduce fossil fuel emissions. It always comes down to what scientists are saying. So how can you say so confidently the, that all these scientists no, but, are wrong?
3: But it's not true. This is what the IPCC is saying, the International uh, Panel on Climate Change. This is a a, a political institution. It's not a scientific one. And it excludes every member who would not um, agree with the findings of the IPCC, which are really the ones you are quoting but the rest of the scientific community, and there is even um, um, an an agenda of about 30,000 scientists who claim that CO2 can never be uh, any important question in the climate, and and, and even in the climate, not even in the weather, because CO2 has only 0.04% importance in the atmosphere, and 80% of uh, this is simply vapor. So the human uh, contribution to CO2 is something so tiny that you cannot even see it. I mean, it is really ridiculous to use CO2 as the climate killer. It's not even a weather killer, uh, not to speak of the climate. So this, I mean, the, the scientific community, the really scientific community is against this idea of CO2. It's only the political institutions and the well, UN-driven uh, IPCC that claim for, for I mean, I, I well, know that in I, the I meantime, think... everybody, excuse me?
0: Yeah, I was just saying that, like, in a, in a previous interview, a guest yes. talked a lot about the IPCC and, and how it is actually more, you know, conservative, a political body and so on. And, and But what what is known is, is through the peer-reviewed literature. And, and how are these efforts to to legitimate science, including peer-reviewed studies being manipulated to, to, to the point of delivering uh, what, what well, you claim is, is a, a false message of the truth?
3: Well, you know, the peer-reviewed studies, it's long ago that they have any value. For example, Marvin Herndon, this is uh, one of the scientists from San Diego. He has written a large uh, essay on that of the, the corruption of the sciences. And, and I must say, I'm, I'm as a political scientist and a social scientist, I, I have my own experiences. I mean, Please don't tell me that science is uh, science. I mean, it would be nice, if it were, but it isn't. So the corruption has grown always more. And the IPCC is an, is an institution that has nothing to do with the truth, nothing. It is a political institution, and it serves these interests who try to transform the world into a new world order, which is totally different from what we know now. So these are all agents of a revolution from above that is going to be uh, dismantled now. I mean, it is going to be realized or dismantled, it's the question we have to solve. So it is really ridiculous. I mean, there are a lot of even Nobel Prize winners uh, who uh, uh, laugh about this idea of CO2. I mean, it is really strange how it is possible and is only explicable by corruption, by a worldwide corruption, that this thesis could spread so widely. So I think we can really leave that with history (laughs) because, I mean, this is what I learned from Rosalie Bertel. Yeah. We do not have to, to just um, uh, not run around not knowing anything because geoengineering, the military geoengineering, not the civil one, or this is all, it's a part of it. These have developed technologies since the hundred of years that are changing the weather, not the climate. This cannot be changed, but the weather in many parts of the world, and what we see now, all these catastrophes of flooding, of, of heat, et cetera, they are all, can all be produced. There are technologies for that, and the, even the, in the ANMOT convention of the UN, you can read of what they can produce. They can produce earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, and they can even change ocean currents. You can change the jet stream. You you can have all these catastrophes we Is have it, now on Earth nearly yeah, every day.
0: What you're referring
3: to. You don't in, need any CO2 to explain it. it? Yes.
0: You respect. You're, you're talking about geoengineering, <laughs> I believe, and, and its use. Um, exactly. So, I mean, it's it seen by the general public as, as a conspiracy theory. So maybe you could help us understand what forms of the, engineering yeah, okay. you know for a fact have been I manipulated mean, yes. uh, or experimented yeah. with historically from the fifties to the present.
3: Well, I mean, uh, if the if then the UN would be as conspiracy institution because the UN in the Enmod convention, which was, um, finalized after the Vietnam War, because in the Vietnam War, many of these environmental modification technologies, as they were called then, were applied, like Agent Orange, etc. So after the Vietnam War, the UN um, formulate, uh, made this convention and wanted to prohibit it any hostile use of these technologies, so it it declared them existing as existing technologies. So in this in, in 1977, and we are speaking today of a conspiracy or the excuse me. And when you look at the many documents, for example, it starts a hundred years ago with uh, rain making and and uh, cloud seeding, etc. These were the first intents. And then you had, especially during the Second World War, the whole Manhattan Project and the development of the atomic bomb. This was used after the Second World War until the the end of the 90s, uh, the atomic uh, industry and uh, atomic bombs, even hydrogen bombs, bombs were used to explore the atmosphere until uh, uh, up to the Van Allen belt, which this is part of the magnetic field of the Earth, which was partly, partly destroyed then and did not recover from that attack. They had, you have to imagine that more than 2,000 atomic bombs were released in the atmosphere and underwater and on the ground during 50 years after the Second World War. And this was the first phase after the Second World War of real geoengineering, military geoengineering. So you cannot say this didn't happen, or this is a conspiracy theory. This was the basic, a uh, basic uh, experiment on uh, to know what the Atmosphere is about. I mean, the stratosphere, the toposphere, and the ionosphere. And now you have these technologies that directly attack the ionosphere. These are the ionospheric heaters. I mean, like HAARP, etc. There are about two or three dozens in the world today. That which are the most in, important instruments for climate change or weather change, so to say, on the world. And they can produce all these effects, which are already explained in the N1 Convention. And the next, um, uh, the next book was about, uh, from uh, the uh, was for the Air Force, U.S. Air Force. Its title was "Owning the Weather in 2025," and um, using weather as a fourth multiplier. And this is now. So in two years, we will have. Uh, the, the army will own the weather worldwide. I mean, uh, it is not a conspiracy theory. It is real, only that people don't look at that. They mm. don't look at it. They, they think it's not exist. You can, even when you go to the social um, um, engineers or people who, who speak of uh, a civil geoengineering, which is about 10 years that this exists now, they say they have no relationship to the military side and and history and background of this technology. They simply deny it. You mm-hmm. see, it, this is not scientific. I mean, <laughs> scientifically, you have first to look at the at the origins of your science, and this is what they deny. So they they even tell us that geoengineering, what they call their civil geoengineering will save the planet, whereas it is instead destroying. I mean, this is really the funny thing. It's all inverted. Yeah. The whole uh, debate is inverted.
0: What you're saying, there's a huge blotting out of a huge section of, of their, their data and their analysis, and that's the military, which is doing geoengineering. And you know, that that's not on their radar screens yes. at all, right?
3: As Rosalie Patel has really explained everything, they they, so they shoot really with billions of what they shoot their electromagnetic waves into the ionosphere, where they turn them back to the Earth, and where they arrive at Earth, there you have earthquakes, you have volcanic eruptions, etc. This is a, a destructive forces of, uh, um, of um, the of a magnitude, a normal. Um, scientists would never expect. And all this is due to the research of Nikola Tesla, who is never, who was not even taught at the university. Nikola Tesla invented the um, use of electromagnetism on earth, and he invented all these possibilities and they are patented. You, has, you have, I don't know how many hundreds of patents, US patents in which the use of these uh, electromagnetic waves and the ionospheric heater, etc., is explained so it is nothing you you i mean you you, you and, and this is changing the conditions of the weather conditions and weather modification on earth so if you are uh, on the climate front you have to look at that you cannot say it's not existing this is ridiculous you know I mean, this is what book, is happening
0: in your book uh, yes. the global warning warning yes uh you mentioned uh-huh. some local forest fires that, that the media used as examples yes. of climate change in recent years. However, indications suggest yeah. these were considerably different from what one would expect from uh, more CO2 in the atmosphere and that some hidden hand was maybe yeah. testing out or, or using some form of geoengineering to cause the damage. Take us through the, uh, the anomalous discoveries you mentioned in the book.
3: We have this, uh, this phenomenon, you have that in California, you have it in Portugal, in Greece, and in Australia, everywhere you have these so-called forest fires, uh, where the forests around do not burn out, burn down, but the houses. I mean, this is a totally different technology is used to provoke these fires and the reasons for doing it. These are really criminal stories around but uh, and the, the possibility to produce fires is nothing new. I mean, this is one of the geoengineering methods since long. So you have to do research on why these fires are breaking out and not saying, well, this is CO2. It is ridiculous CO2. It's ridiculous co 2 co 2 is a plant gas and it is it related to every living process, rotting living materials, rotting, produce CO2. So this is coming out of, of of breathing of of you know of, of animal production of of uh, every uh, material that is dying and the plants needed to produce oxygen. So what is uh, so difficult and criminal and and killing about this gas? It is just the other way around. This is this gas doesn't do anything to anybody. It is needed to have a green without without any plants anymore. Biologists, all these people. Should should say something to it, and I think uh, they are. I don't know in the moment, but I, I mean, it, the all these things cannot be explained by a zero point zero four um, part of the atmosphere that cannot change anything. It is. It is really funny that people believe in that. It, it it shows that they don't know anything about the earth, about uh, what life is. And they even had an experiment, by the way, in the Middle West. It is about a year ago, where they tried to suck all the CO2 out of the air, and um, and the, the result was that everything was dying. So you need you, we need that for life, and the, the attack on life. Uh, The attack on CO2 is uh, an attack on life as the the whole thing, like geoengineering as well and as corona as well. These are all attacks on life. This is uh, just uh, totally perverted and inverted, the whole debate. But because people, and and, uh, it is so difficult because people are not used to see geoengineering as a technology they d- didn't see at, at for example the vaccine which is not a vaccine but an injection of genetic modification which is a new technology nobody knew about so you mean you see that the whole thing is different than what people think about it or, sh- or are supposed to think about it
0: um I know that uh, a person you mentioned uh, or uh, Rosalie Bertel is her name uh, yes. I know of her work on depleted uranium um, but uh, she was the first person to, to mention the broad outline of, of what's happening to the planet uh, due to yes. human action, yes. uh, th- though not uh, CO2 emissions. Talk about the importance of her work and, and how it informed you on, on the subject.
3: Uh, I, I knew her name always because she's an ecofeminist. I am too. And I always knew that there is a book called Planet Earth, and but nobody had read it because, as I knew afterwards, um, the the publisher went bankrupt after it published this book. It was in the year 2000. And then we had this problem with, with Haiti and the big earthquake in Haiti. And um, I found out that there were people who, who said that this earthquake was not a normal one, but a produced and manufactured one, like in China and, and in Venezuela and in the Duma. They discussed this and I mentioned that in an interview in, uh, with the press here, with the, with the newspaper. And then the whole world broke down about uh, around me because they, she's a conspiracy theorist and she blames I don't know what. So they were um, active against me. And so I found Rosalie in the, in the internet. And she said, oh, this is okay. This was with uh, Haiti. Possibly it was really a, an artificial earth earthquake. I didn't know up to that time that this could exist even. So she said, yes, it can be because there was the stripe, plasma stripe in the, in the in the air, which can be seen when uh, when ionospheric heaters are active and in a in a region. But it, this cannot be proved, etc. But she said yes, this can be. And she sent me her book, and so I could read it. And this book explained the whole history of chair engineering. In all its aspects, including. Uh, this uh, solar what what they call solar radiation management today. All the history, the military history, and the, the civil history, and so I learned it from her. I had no idea because I am not a, a natural scientist, and I had to fight with this book terribly because it made me sick. I I went to hell. I was ill, and it was horrible because this was it, to to read how how they are attacking the whole planet, and not only. Certain regions, or you know, or certain animals, plants, but but hold the whole planet, uh, into transform it into a mega weapon of war. I mean, to have control over the whole planet. This was her perspective, and she explained it, especially via the ionospheric heating technologies. And so I learned about it, you know, and we became friends, etc. cetera. And, and I made the, and I organized the, our planetary movement so that we could distribute her knowledge and uh, translate her work, et cetera. Okay. So this is how we came together, and her motive was: but she she loves the, the planet Earth, so she's in love with this cosmic being, you know, and she she it hurts her, and she was offended to know that they were destroying it or parts of it. So this was our common ecofeminist, so to say, motivation to to work together. But then she died. It's already ten years now that she died, okay. so. I'm uh, something like her hair.
0: (laughs) Is there anything more you'd like to say or or emphasize on the subject before we close the interview?
3: Let me see. I mean, the method, how they introduce all these um, catastrophes we are experiencing now, it's always from above and it's all new technologies that people don't know. So people are confused. They don't know how to judge it. And it goes along always with a lot of corruption. And a lot of um, forcing people to agree, um, and you know, a lot of money is flowing, etc. So, the whole science, the the academic world has come to its knees, really. I mean, I, I, I am an academic myself, so I see this around me also. And this is so tragic. I mean, how to teach people to look at what is happening and not to believe in in the propaganda and in the ideology of the the new world order. So it's so important because even when we look at what I call patriarchy, there's what uh, Rosalie also um, was interested in, is that the patriarchal part of of the society is that which wants to transform life into a life as Born by mothers or by mother nature, into something uh, that uh, is invented by men, and invented as a new creation, and this ends in the technology of the machine. The machine is supposed to be um, to be the uh, the new life and the better life instead of real life or natural life, and we have that now with transhumanism, the new technology that includes or tries to include. Uh, the human, as such, into the machinery, which is also a problem. Uh, 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 the program of the uh, of the WEF, the World Economic Forum. So people should know that this machinery is going to be always more like a weapon. It's the weaponization. What also Rosalie was saying: the weaponization of the world, not only of the technology, but of everything that happens even the medicine is weaponized now with these strange injections in the corona cases and uh, the same is true for the climate question with geoengineering this is a weapon a weapon of mass destruction in any sense, and people don't see that because they 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 love the machine and they think it's progress and development and it's better than to live with the machine than without it or to be even to be integrated into the machine via the 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 um, the new technologies of transhumanism. So, okay. I mean, there is so much to to explain to the public they have no idea about. so
0: Claudia van Wurlhoff, uh, Professor Emerita of Political Science and Women's Studies at the University of Innsbruck in Austria, and she joined us from Innsbruck in Austria. <music> You're listening to the Global Research News Hour, a program funded by the Centre for Research on Globalisation and produced in collaboration with campus community radio station CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Ininu, Oji Creek, Dene, and Dakota, the birthplace of the Métis Nation and the heart of the Métis Nation homeland. The show is aired on other radio stations across Canada and the United States and available for streaming or download at the site globalresearch.ca.